everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. last few weeks, the last couple weeks, been in a series called Come to Worship. And we've been looking at different expressions, different biblical expressions of worship over the last few weeks. The first week, we talked about lifting of hands, lifting up our hands, holy hands to the Lord. Then last week, we talked about bringing our gifts, even as the Magi came from far away to come, not to get something from the King, but to bring something to the King talked about bringing our gifts, honoring God with our resources. And on Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about bowing down before him. As you can imagine, we'll probably do O Holy Night, which you can't have Christmas without at least doing O Holy Night once. But all all three of those things, raising our hands, uh, giving, giving gifts, Bowing before the Lord are kind of, you know, they would be the typical, the usual suspects. We were talking about expressions of worship, expressions of adoration, expressions of honor and praise. But what I want to hit on today, it might seem a little bit different than maybe the traditional expressions of praise. But I believe that as we understand it, it actually allows us and allows our worship to come from a very deep and a real place. It it actually cultivates a nearness and an intimacy and a realness with God that also will produce power and confidence in Him in our lives and produce resilience. Today, the aspect and the expression of worship I want to talk about is pouring our hearts out to God. Pouring our hearts out to God from the very depth of our soul. This isn't just a mental ascent or I know he is this from from just an intellectual standpoint. But it's crying out to God from the depths, from the realness, from the most authentic place of who we are. There's something about just being real with God. It's amazing to me how we would say, and for those of us who follow God or are intrigued by God or believe in a spiritual entity, while we would think that we can hide anything from him. Like we talk and think and act any kind of way and then for whatever reason when we come in a church setting or we're talking to God or we pray, all of a sudden we feel like he only will hear the prayers of those who pray the King James and speak with a slightly British accent. Right? As though he doesn't know how you talk normally. You know, I love, I kind of poke fun a little bit at some worship leaders. You know, thank God for the, the worship that's come out of Hillsong and Australia and different places. But it was almost like this like thing where you got people that are like from Middle Tennessee or like from Mooresville, Indiana, when they lead worship, they're like, God, we thank you, Lord. Like, wait, what? You are from Beach Grove. What are you doing? Right? We, 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 it's almost like we create, you know, a version of ourselves. This is like, there's John and then there's Jesus John. Jesus John smiles more, he speaks a little bit more treble. Hey, praise the Lord, giggity, giggity. And we create these caricatures, and I want you to know that God is a real God who came for real people with real lives. And he wants us to feel the permission, to have permission to speak freely when we engage 
with him. This morning, you might be, this might be like the, the pinnacle of your week. You're doing well. Things are going good. The family is doing great. The job is going great. I just got a shout out to my friend Jason Mayer and his beautiful wife, Letha. They had their fourth baby today. Like my man, is, he is just soaring. He's on cloud nine right now. He had a little boy this week named Lucas. I said, you know he was a Star Wars fan. He just wanted to be able to say, Luke, I am your father. But he's having a great day. And, and in, on the mountaintop, pour your heart out to God. Maybe, maybe you're in kind of a mediocre season. It's not too high, not too low, maybe a little bit of meh. You can still pour your heart out to God. There may be some of you in here this morning that you're at a low point. I honestly think that this kind of a message may help you the most because there's something that is produced in those seasons of brokenness. There's an aroma of glory that is so beautiful to the Lord when we choose to worship him out of our brokenness. And I believe that God wants to help all of us grow in intimacy and strength with him as we tap into this. I want to look at a couple passages as we set the tone for this. If you don't know about the Psalms, in the Bible, the Psalms is kind of in the middle of the Bible, and it's actually a book of Psalms. And there are various authors, and David, the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart, but he was not perfect. That's why I love David. David was very real. He was vulnerable with the Lord. He was honest with the Lord, but he did not lose sight of who God was. It says in Psalm 142, in verse 2, I'm going to read verse 5. It says, I pour out before him my complaint. You are my refuge, my portion. God wants us to pour out our heart to him. You don't have to edit things. Like, you should edit your social media posts. Like, you should definitely edit them. Sometimes, for grammatical errors, as my wife always reminds me, after I post something, I usually get a text saying, hey, there's a couple things you might want to fix. Uh, give me a password, I'll fix it for you. She's like the embodiment of Grammarly, if you're familiar with that. But there's times where just, I don't know whether, you know, it's like, you know, they have crimes of passion. Like there's like posts of passion, right? You get mad, you see something, and you just start exploding. And the reality is not everybody can handle just your rawness. Y'all hear me this morning? Like I know people say, I just want to be real. Not everybody needs your real, okay? Not everybody needs that. But God can handle it all. He can handle it all. One of the best words of advice in, in a very hard time of my life is my pastor. He said, John, he goes, I know right now you're a leader, you're a pastor, you're a husband, you're a father. You don't want to blow up because there's nobody that can receive that blow up. But you need to go drive far away, go to the outer skirts of town where nobody can hear you yell. And you just need to go at it. He said, God is not intimidated by those things. God is not intimidated by heartache. He's not intimidated by a groaning. The scripture says in both of those verses that he is a refuge. What does that mean? He's a safe place. 
when you explore that idea of refuge in scripture, there were many Levitical cities and out of and six out of them were actually places considered cities of refuge. What were they were? If you were in a dispute. Maybe you got in a dispute with someone and, and, and through that there was uh, an, an altercation and there was injury or there was a, a situation where somebody was coming after your life. You could escape to a city of refuge and, and be protected, be in a safe place as the situation was resolved. God is saying, I am your safe place. You can run to me. You can be real. You can be vulnerable. You can cry. You can be mad. Don't you know that he took on the weight of sin? He can handle a couple cuss words from you. I'm not telling, don't, don't go and say, hey, pastor said I can cuss. That's not what we're talking about. What I'm saying is God can hear you and meet you right where you are. You don't have to all of a sudden change your vernacular. Y'all hear me this morning. It's okay. You can talk back. It's registered. But God wants us to know, hey, I am a safe place. You know, I think about when I think of a safe place or a place of refuge, I think about when I was a kid. Some of you have heard me tell this story. I used to be like just super afraid of the dark. And I don't know what it was. Maybe it was like something because I read The Hobbit. I was just convinced if my blanket is over me, that monsters could not see me. Right? If, if my, I used to call it my hot, my, my hot cover. If my hot cover, my blanket was over me. No, you know, no monsters, or wait, not monsters, I was charismatic. No demons to penetrate the comforter. Oh, yes, it was a comforter indeed. And, you know, there were these things, like, as long as it's over me, if, if a monster came in, I was invincible, I was invisible, as long as I stayed under there, and I tuck it under my feet, under my legs, it was like my safe place. But sometimes our safe place, our refuge isn't a thing or a place, it's a person, Right? Think about just the people in your life, maybe when you were growing up or maybe now, that when something's going down, you're like, hey, as long as I got my ride or die with me, as long as they're with me, you know, I know I'm going to be safe. You know, when I was a kid as well, I thankfully I had my refuge and my blanket, but sometimes, you know, the blanket would fail me and it had fallen off in the middle of the night. But as long as I had my brother Peter in the room, my brother Peter, we call him the rock. And if the rock was in the room, I was convinced that no one would, that the enemy would not step up. And so I had to keep him close to me. We grew up, we shared a room together. And I remember if he went to go to, the, to get a drink in the middle of the night, I was going to get a drink in the middle of the night. If he had to use the restroom in the middle of the night, oh, I got to use the restroom in the middle of the night. And I would wake up and if I was scared, if I felt something, I would go, hey, Peter, Psst. Peter, you go, huh, are you awake? I am now. And there's this thing about me where I was like, I'm just convinced if Peter is here, he's safe. I'm safe. God is saying, I am your refuge. David is calling out. He says, I know you are my safe place, God. No matter what I'm going through, I can come to you. I can be real. I can be honest. I can be vulnerable. I don't have to edit it. I don't have to pre-screen it. I can just come and bring all that I am and lay it at your feet. The word says that we can cast all our cares upon him because he cares for us. He is near to the broken. He's near to us. But the great thing that we don't want to lose sight of as we talk about pouring out our hearts as an act of worship is yes, we can pour it out, we can be real, but in that, as we pour out our hearts, we want to remember the faithfulness of God in the past. 
See, in Psalm 42, it says this. It says, my tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? Verse 4 says this. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession in the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise. A multitude keeping festival. Verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him my salvation and my God. He says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. These things I remember that, that as we pour out our souls, we can be real. We can be unedited. We can be transparent and raw. And at the same time, remember his faithfulness in the past. See, what the enemy wants you to do is he wants you to go to that place of darkness that place of despair, that place of defeat, that place of the brokenness, and leave you on the cutting room floor. He doesn't want you to get up. He doesn't want you to know that there's hope. But as we cry out to God, as we cry out not to just your buddy, not just to a grief hotline, although praise God for those, but as we pour out our hearts, we can have hope because of what he has done in the past. We can be reminded. It's so important. If you don't journal, I encourage you to journal or find ways to keep track of the things that God is doing. Because you never know when you or somebody else is going to need to be reminded of a time where God was faithful. That's why I'm so thankful for this word that God has given us. That he's given us his word so that we can read it and be reminded of what he has done in the past. Be reminded of the way his character and his love is manifest. For people throughout history, not for the people that had it all together, for the hot messes, for the broken ones, for the prostitute, for the, for the crooked tax collector, for the leper, for the politician, and for the pauper. That all of those people, God has demonstrated many, many, many times his faithfulness. The prophet Jeremiah wrote this in Lamentations. Chapter 3, it says, remember my affliction. And, then, and, and, and actually, before, at the beginning of chapter 3, it's actually 19 verses of pain and anguish and complaints. Like if this was a concept album and you actually had to listen to every track, like you couldn't just get one track, you might just think this was the most depressing emo song of all time. Lifeway would take it out of the stores if you just listened to the first 19 verses. But you have to listen to the whole. It says, remember my affliction and my wanderings. The wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. So for 19 verses, he's aching. But he says this, but this I call to mind. And therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. He just reeled. 19 verses. Gosh. Lord, I'm mad right now. I'm hurting. I don't know how this happened. Or I know exactly how this happened. I don't feel like being around anybody that's happy. Anybody that's going to say anything positive to me. I, honestly, I don't know if I want to live but I cannot shake the fact that your steadfast love 
never ceases. Your mercies, they never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is our faithfulness. You've got to remind yourself, look back and see what is it that God's done. And you say, where is God? Well, think about where he's been. You know, when I think of the different testimonies, I think of where God has been when I was younger, as a child, or in my teenage years, or as a young dad trying to figure out, okay, the book didn't say this. I'm not sure how to navigate through this situation. Or in my marriage, well, the book did say this. Why isn't this working out? And seeing God's hand guide me and lead me and direct me. Seeing him show up when I didn't think we would, how are we going to get through this month? We don't have the money. The money's not in the account. And yet God would faithfully show up every time. So we continue to honor him and trust him and, 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 and trust him with everything that we have. You know, one of the things I was thinking about today when during this time last year, we had had a service over at the Broderford United Methodist Church. We didn't have a place where we were going to meet. We weren't sure where we were going to end up. We've been meeting in our home and we we're growing and we we're like, okay, well, we're not going to launch our church in this home. And we had a great service and I literally, all I could think about was we are having our first service in three weeks and we do not have a place to meet. And I was kind of like, all right, God, I know we're going to be somewhere. So I need you to open up something. And so I went to a movie, uh, Jordan Smith and uh, Victoria's Jordan. We have a couple of Jordan Smith. Uh, but Jordan Smith and my brother, we were like, you know what? I honestly, I wasn't being spiritual. I wasn't about to have a prayer vigil. I was honestly totally in my flesh. I was like, I just need to check out. I'm going to go watch a movie somewhere. So I go to the movie theater at Glendale. And I walk in and my good friend, Jason Mayer, he's there. He's working at the front desk. And uh, Jason, just to let you know a little bit about Jason, Jason and I, we are high school buddies, great, great, great friends. Uh, but before I moved back, we hadn't seen each other in about 15 years. And, and he just kind of popped into one of our interest meetings. So I happened to run into him at this movie theater. And he goes, hey, I just happened to be talking to uh, our regional manager. And uh, I think we can work, work it out for you guys to meet here. I was like, wait, what, what, what? And I kind of blinked. And then he was like, yeah, I mean, would, would this number work for you guys a week? And he showed it to me. And I was blown away. And I was like, can we write this down right now? Like, before I leave the theater, can we put this contract together? And when I tell you, God not only provided an incredible rate for us, but he, that was where we launched our church in March, March 20th. We had our PD service there in January. And it was a great place. But what I started to realize is we, we had limited capacity for our kids. And, you know, theater, as theater floors can be at some time, you know, every once in a while, Johnny would come up at the end of City Kids and, like, have a half-eaten sucker. And be like, hey, look what I found on the seat. Bless God, provision. I'm like, oh, no, hepatitis, no. Right? And so I was, I, I, I was at this co-work space. And I remember I'm sitting there. I'm like, God. Thank you, you provided, but we need another space. Like, I've got families literally telling me, hey, I love your service. Uh, I don't want my kids to die, so we'll come back once you got another space. 
And uh, I'm sitting here in this office. All of a sudden, I get a phone call from a buddy of mine. It's with Multiply Indiana. His name is Justin, Pastor Justin at Hope City Church. And he called me. He says, hey, I'm going. I've got a meeting at the Avondale Meadows YMCA with some folks. And, um, dude, you guys need to look at this place. I think this could be a place for you guys to meet. And it would be a great place for you to connect to the community. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. And while I'm on the phone with him, the uh, director of Christian Emphasis is calling him. He merges the call, and it's Josh Heaston. And long story short, within 48-hour period, we went from not knowing where we were going to be to all of a sudden, we are going to be in this building right here. You praise God for that. That's okay. My point for saying that is that everything builds on the other. What the enemy wants us to do is to get amnesia. He wants you to forget that God has provided. He wants you to forget the times. He wants to paint your past in a filter of defeat and brokenness. He wants you to look back at your relationships. He wants to look back at every situation. And all that he wants you to see is despair and destruction. He never wants you to see the blessing and the provision of God. And so when we pour out our hearts, we pour out not just our hearts, but we also remind ourselves of the faithfulness of God. Now, why do we do that? We do that because we remind ourselves of God's faithfulness in the past. It helps us to have hope and faith in his power to get us through what we're going through in the present and through the future. When we remind ourselves of his character and his goodness and his faithfulness throughout the past, it helps us to be reminded, you know, we've got to remind ourselves of the time that God saved us and God answered our prayer, that God made a way when there was no way. We've got to be reminded of these things so that we have the courage and that we have the authority and the confidence to trust him. That he's not just done. He wasn't just the God that got us out of Egypt. He's the God that takes us into the promised land. But we've got to get past the point. We've got to get past our pain to the point of praise. We've got to get past we can't just get lost in the brokenness and stay on the ground. We've got to remind ourselves. I love in Psalm 102. I'm going to read a couple of these verses in Psalm 102. The psalmist says this. He says, hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly. Then he says in verse 5, in my distress, I groan aloud and I am reduced to skin and bones. In verse 7, I lie awake. I've become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long my enemies taunt me for I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drink with tears. But in verse 12 it says this, but you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endears, endures through all generations. Verse 17 says, he will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. I hope you didn't miss it. But in there are three of the most powerful words that can never be a revelation in our soul. Three of the most dangerous and powerful words that take a horrible situation 
and give us hope. But you, Lord. But you, God. I was this, but God. But you, Lord. I was broken, but you, Lord, are the healer. I was lost, but you, Lord, are direction. I was uncertain, but you, Lord, are faithful. I was weak, but you, Lord, are my strength. I was alone, but you, Lord, are Emmanuel, God with me. I can't tell you how many times I've been, in a, been scared or frustrated or uncertain or afraid. And yet I was reminded, but you, Lord, are a shield for me, the glory and the lifter of my head. But you, God, yes, we plead and we cry. We pour out our hearts to God, but at some point, there's that point when the recognition of our lack meets the revelation of who it is we're praying to. When, when the ache and, and the recognition of our brokenness meets the revelation of the Lord, that there's something that shifts in us, that our pleading turns to praising. That we stop coming from a posture of timidity, which the scripture says, God has not given me a spirit of timidity. What does he give you? Power. Love. A sound mind. When we realize that God, he's not just a really, really good friend whose lap we can cry on. He's not even just a good, good father. We sing that and I love that song. But the scripture says that he is a mighty God. He's a wonderful counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The government rests on his shoulders. That means he's not just good, he's great. He's not just willing, he has the authority to turn your situation around. He's not just a nice guy that says, oh, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry this is going on. I'm really sorry you're hurting. No, 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 no. He is a righteous, a holy, and a victorious king that says, I see your pain. And I came down to nail that pain to the cross so that even though it might hurt for a moment, that joy is coming in the morning. That in the end, death will be defeated. That sin and sickness will not have the final say. That he is in fact the Lord, the King, and the Rescuer. This morning, I want you to know as we worship, we're going to worship as we close. I want you to pour your heart out to him. You know what you've been walking through. You know what you've been walking through for the last week, the last month, maybe the last decade. Whether it's a, the highest high, the lowest low, or somewhere in between. Don't just go through the motions. Pour out your heart to God. Be reminded of his faithfulness in the past. And you know, I just want to encourage you, like sometimes what messes with our confidence, and this is one of the things the enemy used to get me with when I would struggle with things, it was hard for me to cry out to God because I, the enemy would tell me this, God doesn't want to hear you, you deserve this. This is your fault, God isn't in this. I know maybe I'm the only one that he does that to. I'd cry out, God said, and, and the enemy would come at me and say, no, no, no. He can't hear that prayer. You're dealing with this because of this situation. 
you're dealing with this because of this situation. You know what? God knows us in all situations, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't God's fault that sin came into the world. It was our issue. And I'm thankful that my Jesus, he came not just to clean up the messes. <laughs> that he, he didn't clean up his mess. It wasn't his mess. It was our mess that he came. The word says that while we were yet sinners, that Christ endured the cross. And so whether you think you deserve it or not, cry out to God. He hears the cries of the broken. He hears the cry. He hears a sinner's prayer. Let's stand together. Father, I thank you that you didn't come with an expectation for us to be these just super sterile, robotic, fake beings. Lord, you created the range of our emotion. Lord, that you know that we live in a broken world, in a fallen world, and we have all been marred and scarred by its fallenness. Lord, you know the ache in our souls. You know the celebration in our soul. Lord, I don't want us to be... Lord, I pray that we would even be able to rejoice without fear, without fear of looking over our shoulder or being afraid of being happy, Lord. But in whatever place that we're in, God, Lord, I thank you this morning that we can be real. We can pour out all that we are before you. And at the same time, we can also be reminded that no matter what we're in, you are always good. You are always faithful. You are always loving. You are always just. You are always kind. You are always merciful. You are always faithful. and we remind ourselves of your faithfulness in the past as we trust you this morning and have confidence that you're going to get us through what we're dealing with right now, today. Lord, I thank you that there is a hope for tomorrow. Help us, God, to pour out our hearts to you. Help us, Lord, to cry out to you. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and